Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the I Get Buckets podcast. My name is Simon, and as always, I'm your host, and we are kicking it again for Team 3 of our NBA Fantasy Season Preview. We're talking Season 22-23. We are, you know, 15 days away or something like that. I am keeping the energy high. It is a beautiful, sunny day here in Melbourne, and the energy is matching the weather, and I'm super excited to talk basketball Everyone's out and about. If you hear lawnmowers, washing machines, all this shit going on in the background, we're just going to embrace it and we're going to you know, kick into some beautiful talk about NBA basketball and fantasy basketball and all the players that were taken in the NBA fantasy draft for our league. Projecting forward everything good that's going to happen, we are getting to one of the teams that I'm always very excited to talk about. We're talking about the boogeyman, we're talking about Lugies Boogies, and we're looking at Luca, your bane of existence, um, new team name coming in. I like it. I mean, I wouldn't have expected anything less. I will admit it took me, you know, a little bit to work out that there's two teams in the name with, with Desmond Bain and we're projecting forward um, to one of his draft picks later, but, you know, wouldn't have it anywhere, uh, anywhere else. And, you know, um, Desmond Bain, um, I think we're all not surprised, landed um, on the boogies as, you know, coach being his number one fan going forward. So very excited. Um, I've already, you know, feeling the deadline with getting all these podcasts out before tip off, but we're going to go through them. Um, already listening back and regretting some of the things that I've said, but it's all a bit of fun. Um, and I think in particular with this one, going through all the names, it's funny because the, the rankings, you know, I would have looked at every day for, you know, five days and towards, when we drafted, and I would have changed them, you know, every single day looking at them. And when you look at them now, you know, I would definitely change some things uh, as well going forward. But we will talk to kind of where my thoughts were at um, on draft night and where my thoughts are at now. We've had coach kind of put in the chat that he's very happy with the team he drafted um, this year, and I don't blame him. You know what? I, like going down, I think we're looking at a, a, a quite a healthy team to go forward. Um, with but it's going to be exciting to kind of drill down on exactly where the picks you know have landed and and some of the things to watch out for. So um, again, I think I'm I'm quite excited to get to like team five or six, depending on where things land, to talk about some of the the essence of the top ten and where it goes. Because another one here we have number three, um, not much to talk about. Luka Doncic, easy pick. Um, again. Clear top four and maybe a clear top two and a, and like a three and a four. So Doncic, you know, if you wanted to say that um, it was MVP time for for Joel Embiid and like him at three and injuries behind him, blah blah blah, could have sold me on it. But I think Luca's, you know, just a little bit more safer. I, I you know I like everything they're they're doing. You know, Dallas is probably a little bit weird, confusing, projecting forward, but not Luca. You know, the usage rates there. I'm, I'm not going to really go into it. I think you know, easy pick. Love to have him on my team. It'd be interesting if he can kind of, uh, you know, soften the gap that there is between a Jokic, uh, Giannis, and the next level that he's, you know, right at. Can you kind of push, you know, his average up to, you know, he was 35.6 last year. Can he get it to that 38, 39 um, mark? I think it's well and truly possible, but. You know, we'll wait and see with um, Luca. The the more interesting pick now as we go forward, and there'll be a few of them, is we get Tyrese Halliburton at pick number 18. So I think the consensus around the league was a little bit early, and I had the same you know thoughts going into it. You know, I, I do think 
based on last year, you see him kind of rank in the top 50 based more the fact that he played 77 games rather than, you know, a, a crazy average compared to, to other people. Um, you know, sitting with his average of 23.8 last season, I guess the biggest thing for him projecting forward and why he's at pick, you know, 18 is because, you know, he was traded to the Indiana Pacers last season and the numbers were, you know, pretty insanely awesome based on, you know, the 26-game sample size we saw for them. So the shooting's off the chart, um, you know, consistently his three-point shooting, you might not think of him as, you know, a real knockdown, but he, he averages 40%. He doesn't shoot a lot. I want to jack them right up. I think he's, you know, uh, field goal attempts are at 12. Um, the assist numbers were really getting crazy in those, you know, games with the Pacers. So I think he averaged something like 9.6 assists for the Pacers over the course of the season. I think that would put him third or fourth in the league um, in terms of, of assists per game. So if you can kind of get those numbers, um, you can kind of sell me on, on Tyrese here. So I think the projections is look, well, okay, he's going to potentially do a little bit of a, a Dejounte Murray kind of leap last season where the usage rate was so, you know, bloody insane that the ball's going through. He's getting other people involved. The rebounds are there. Um, but the thing with Tyrese is kind of the scoring, um, but, not like differently to like Jonte Murray where you know he didn't feel like a scorer like and then he like worked in this mid-range kind of you know game for, for for him like Tyrese has the shooting he's got the touch I just wonder you know if it's going to become with a little bit more defensive kind of pressure how he kind of works through it um I think it's you know taking him at 18 the the roof or the the ceiling to what he can do is is really that Jonte from last year or in the the guise of a Lamelo ball but I just don't think he has as much of kind of the the natural fantasy kind of you know game or elements to to some of the things we've seen, um, but I've the more I've kind of thought about it and more looking at you know the value of, of what the Pacers are trying to do, uh, the more I can be really keen on it. What does kind of jump out is then when you're looking at everyone else's team and then you look at yours, you're like, oh, Tyrese Halliburton. Is he someone who um, as my second best player, relying on can he lead me to you know? The, the playoffs and everything that I kind of want out of my team. And I, the simple answer, I think, is, yeah, I've, there's no reason, especially because you've got Luca that, you know, you bookend, you know, these two as, you know, your top two guys that if he, you know, does has his leap and, and you're looking at him as um, a purely kind of numbers off the chart run kind of guy um, in the meld of, yeah, you know, a, a, a Trey Young or a DeJounte Murray last um, season, um, you might ball, I feel like it can come together. So, you know, I had him at 26 on my board, but if I did it now, I'd have him, I'd probably have him 20, um, doing, you know, just a little bit of a look around the numbers before we jumped into this pod. I feel more um, and more kind of comfortable uh, with this pick here. Um, I do think we've got a little bit of a bridge that I want to see it over the course of, you know, more than just the 26 games when, you know, the paces were kind of checked out and some of the games just felt a little bit, Meaningly, I think he had a couple of games where it was like seven, like you know, 12, 13, 14 assists, and I want to see these big assist, you know, games come through on something that matters before I get you know super excited about what they're doing. Um, but I think it's a, a for as a risky pick. I think it's um, relatively risk free if that makes sense. So I'm I'm, I'm pretty happy with this one. Uh, it's interesting, and I keep talking about Dejounte Murray. He was his next pick here at you know 23, and 
I, you know, I had Dejounte Murray quite high on my rankings initially, and really kind of slowly bumped him back to the the point where I had him as like a, a late second rounder. So I think to get him all in the third here, um, I really kind of like it. <laughs> Especially, you know, um, I came in the draft thinking Dejounte Murray would kind of take over Tyrese, but right now I think he's he's made the right decision, um, and I'm happy to kind of uh, throw a bit of praise given I think in past reviews. Or previous, I've been a little bit harsh on early selections, um, but I think he's kind of nailed it. And the Dejounte Murray thing, obviously, the concern is you know playing with Trey Young. You're on a, a better, well-established, you know, more balanced team. There's more mouths to feed. It's not going to be, um, you know, this this kind of huge leap that we saw last year. It's just like, okay, well, what's sustainable? Is he as good as everyone kind of says? People are a bit out on on what Dejounte Murray is as a player, and he's always, you know through my eyes and you know I was quite down on him last year because it was like oh it's a defensive kind of point guard the the passing's all right but the shooting's you know really got a a bit to go and um I don't know if it's like you know he's gonna fill all the categories but last season we saw that I think he kind of plays a lot more you hope the 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 point guard role split minutes with Trey Young and Trey Young kind of plays off ball um I'm a little bit worried about all the stuff kind of translating and I, I'm a little bit confused exactly on, on how it's going to fit but I think a lot of what he did last year translates I think he's got a chip on his shoulder I think Lanta paid the price that they did with three first rounders with the idea of of really kind of seeing a role and how he makes them better and I think you know the minutes are going to be up I think the scoring will land where it is but I know it doesn't have to be the bedrock of what Dejounte Murray is um, so I think to be able to get to someone who averaged, you know, 32 last year and was one of the, you know, better fantasy players that came out of, you know, that sleeper zone to come and be really a top 10 fantasy player when it came to points scored overall, you know, to get him in early um, round three, even if there's a little bit of confusion exactly about him. I like, I really, I really feel good about it. I, I think it's, it's a nice kind of, um, you know, way to, to, to pad out your team a little bit here. Um, and again, not that risky for, for where you've taken him, um, which is cool. Quickly move forward to round four, we have um, pick 38. So Jared Allen, um, we're talking a little bit about Cleveland already, and I'm sure we'll talk about him as we go. But Jared Allen, pretty sure you had him last year, maybe average 27 um, over the course of the year. The fact that you know, he's the fourth Cleveland um, player picked here. Three Cleveland guys go in round four. So Darius Garland goes at 33. We see um, Donovan Mitchell, 36. And then bang, 38, Jared Allen. I think that kind of speaks to the fact that there was a little bit of, um, you know, confusion or conjecture exactly how to rank the the Cleveland players and who's going to be the big dog Maybe there doesn't need to be a big dog. Maybe it's kind of like, you know, there's a real kind of succinct roles of how these guys, you know, bring their skill talent to um, Cleveland. And, the you know, the view of Jared Allen is like, we know we saw a little bit more offense last year, which was amazing. I think that's where, you know, the whole um, all-star season came from. But that doesn't need to be, in essence, you know, anything that he needs to hold on in his fantasy game. He's rib running, you know, dunking um, kind of, uh, center, get all the rebounds, um, you know, block shots, do everything that we've seen Jared Allen do, and, and that makes me comfortable taking him at round four. What I do think, and why I did have him ranked in the four, fourth out of all these Cleveland, you know, players, was exactly what I said in terms of I think 
he he showed a little bit of offense last year, which was which was awesome. Um, with Mobley coming on, you know, and the insertion of Donovan Mitchell, I'm not sure how much more of an opportunity he gets to kind of you know show this flair, and does he get pushed back more into kind of a pick and roll um, offensive rebounder dunker um, kind of guy? And I think that's probably a really good thing for him to kind of lean on. It's not a bad thing. That's the reason why I had him, you know, lower than his counterparts on his team, and I had him in 43. So there was other, you know, people who I think uh, are going to kind of leapfrog him in terms of his average. I think 27.7 is is quite high for for um, what type of Jared, you know, player Jared Allen is. I think it's hard for him to replicate that. Um, he was injured last year, you know, towards the tail end, but that doesn't worry me. I think... Um, I'm not going to say it's early. I think it's roundabout where you go for him. Um, so I'm quite happy um, for this pick here. But I do think um, a slight regression is maybe to be accept, uh, accepted and expected. Um, so we go through to his, his next pick now. And this one feels a little bit of a homer pick. Yeah, OKC, um, Australian uh, native Josh Giddy. Um, it's okay. There's a tendency, you know, for me to think it's a little bit early. I think it's okay. I think it's fine. I had him at 51. I would have liked to get him a little bit, you know, lower than 43. I think when I was doing my rankings, and I might have said it before, there's a clear line for me between, I think, my top 50 and then, like, the second bracket of players. And as much as I like Josh Giddy and everything he brings and his role at the OKC and their investment in him as their future, I like, I, I don't think he's he's in that kind of first um, 50 tier and there's a, a players that were drafted after him, especially in this round that I would expect to have much better um, fantasy seasons or at least a little bit better in terms of Zach Levine, Jalen Brown, DeAndre Ayton and Jonas Valanciunas. So the next four picks, I all had them, you know, higher than, than Giddy. I really like what we've seen from him last year. I don't you don't get to, um, enamored with Summer League, but it was good to see him <laughs> show up and do what you'd want him to do. Obviously, everything in terms of his filling box scores is awesome. The passing, um, the defending, you know, the height um, for him playing point guard and that what that means with rebounds, um, his basketball IQ. Obviously, it's all good. The, the big knock and, and what would continue will be was how does he um, fill out, you know, his well-rounded game with with a little bit more scoring, whether it's kind of adding elements. I know he's like a little bit kind of um, interesting when he kind of takes off the dribble and finishes the rim, and there's a little bit there, but he needs more tricks in terms of his fadeaways and turning away from contact and and little things that will be nice to see him kind of grow into and add, and obviously the three-point shooting will be a big thing. Teams are going to dare him to shoot until he um, really shows and demonstrates a, a consistent clip. They're going to go under the screens on him, which kind of, um, you know, hurts his, you know, passing lanes and his ability to kind of turn the corner and, and get in like this pick and roll game or, or get downhill to the basket. I think we're going to see really kind of consistent fantasy worth from Josh Giddy because the assists and the rebounds are, go- are going to be at a point where um, bad shooting nights are going to be offset by this value. But when you pick him at 43, you don't want, you know, this consistently um, healthy average fantasy, you want big games and big games backed up um, throughout the course of a, a week to really, you know, help your fantasy team 
dominate and, and win games of uh, or matchups of basketball. So I think from Josh Giddy, we're going to get a really good baseline because of what he can do. But the absence of the scoring, especially if he has games that are what we saw last year, you know, six, eight points, um, it's going to blunt the upside of him pushing his average from um, what it was last year at 20.1 to, you know, your real kind of 24, 25, which is still in the ballpark of what you want your players to get at this round. So I do think he's going to get better. I think he's going to get pushed up, but I have a, a cap on how better he can get before until he kind of shows us a little bit of that. Um, the scoring, which is the name of the game, Still, you know, with the the negative point seven five as the the minus, you know, getting buckets is still the quickest way um, to to you know to fill up your your um, your Cougars fantasy kind of output, especially your threes. So, see how it goes. Um, I love I love the kid. Love watching him. Excited to see the next step. Um, we've alluded to. Uh, you know the the name of the team here was Luca, your bane of existence, and we get into the second part of this name here with round six, um, pick fifty eight, Desmond Bain. There's a lot of, I wouldn't call it hype, but I think people hold hold Desmond Bain in a real kind of high, um, I guess you know thought in terms of what he does and how he contributes to a really good cultured Memphis team, you know, win games of basketball. So, you know, you hear obviously your Ja Morant and Triple J is kind of these two young guys going to going to lead, especially Morant, Morant. But, you know, Desmond Bain's right there is almost like an untouchable of what they're doing um, moving forward. So I think we can kind of get lost a little bit in, you know, the hype on, on what Desmond Bain does in terms of translating not only to fantasy, but where the next step is and how, how good he can be. Um, in saying that, like I do love everything about him, and I really wanted to bet on him this year, um, enough to the point where I had him at sixty-eight on my board. I think that was where I felt was fair to kind of put him, based on an average of twenty point four, based on how well he shoot it last year, and where I think the the improvement's going to come fantasy wise. So some of it's going to be, you know, him being able to call his name a little bit more and be more involved in some of the stuff they do, but. You know, he only he needs to kind of replicate the shooting really from this point. Um, so, you know, pick fifty eight or maybe a round early. I think you know Chris was always going to bet on him. You know, you bet on Memphis is is the other thing in the West. Are they kind of going to get a little bit lost as teams get better? Can they hold what they're what they're doing? You know, can can Jar stay healthy? I'm not sure if that you know really impacts Bain on on the day to day. But I like I like the pick. I like what he's doing moving forward. Um, but if you're if you're betting on an improvement in fantasy just because you know he's a young player in terms of year on year, I think that's you know n- not foolish. But you should be looking at where he's you know his statistical output was last year and hone in. Well, I think he can uh, be more settled in some of the fives that they run and add more rebounding, add more assists, or, or you know there's something to this shot creation where he can you know get to the basket. Because I, I, everything that I saw last year, I loved, amazing. Um, but I think that's the benchmark of what he can do within their team. I don't think it's an expected incremental growth um, unless you think he's just going to jack up the attempts. Um, but, I, 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 I mean, I do think he's a really good player. Um, and I was I was late to the ballpark, so um, big tick on, on Chris identifying him as a... <laughs> A talent and kind of stick with him, stick with him in this season here. But 
Um, we'll see by the end of the season if he's a, a top 50 player. That'd be sick, and that would you know really kind of pay off. Um, or if he's landed in the right place or gone a little bit early. Um, next pick, we have Devin Fissell. So another real, I think, um, savvy pick. The Spurs are interesting. I think he's the one that kind of stands out for me in terms of taking that real kind of next leap with the, the usage rate. Average of 15.5 last year, I kind of put it in a box and said, that can be blown out of the water. I really like the idea of him. I had him at 83 on my big board. I was I was thinking, you know, that's kind of <laughs> the point where I've, I've pushed him up ahead of everyone except, you know, some of these rock-solid guys that I know. Um, so, I, like, I think it's a really smart bet, but it's still a bet. So when, you, when you're taking, you know, a, a player of, part, you know, the quality isn't completely known in, in what he's done from year to year, um, there's that element of risk involved. But the San Antonio Spurs are so gutted of, of talent and options that um, he's not going to be afforded, you know, the... The, the, the chance to slowly kind of grow like he would be in other teams. I think he's going to be thrown into a position where um, take your shots. We're going to build stuff around you. We're going to see what you can do. Um, and whether, you know, this DeJounte Murray kind of fantasy stuff is broken up in between, um, you know, Calvin Johnson and him and um, maybe like a Trey Jones, which we'll talk about in another pod, um, remains to be seen. Or if there's one guy that could really, you know, grab – um, the role and show us what they've got and take a huge, huge leap. And I think Devin Vassell has been highlighted by a few teams as potentially that guy. So I think, you know, the, the risk and sleeper potential of taking him at 63 here is really good and healthy. I think the guess, the flip side of that and what I've spoken with other people about is that a sleeper isn't a sleeper if he gets taken, you know, <laughs> a few rounds earlier than what you were expecting. So I think we'd, we'd going to that territory a little bit in terms of you've bet on him to, to give you a real kind of benchmark of production um, given you've taken him before, you know, really known qualities later in this this round like a, a an RJ Barrett or a Rogier or a Wendell Carter Jr. who all, you know, averaged, you know, 20 plus last year. So I think in that aspect, it's going to be really interesting the one to watch. But based on, you know, what we've heard and what we've seen, I think um, – it's it's a switched on pick again, so I like it, especially if you know it translates later the season and you're up, you know up and about in the in the thick of it. And Devin Fassell was really kind of um, grounded out the the learning curves or you know some of the stuff of of them taking their lumps early and figuring out what the San Antonio looks like and gets to the end of the season. It's like, okay, well, this might be a lost season anyway, and there's just you know real kind of. Um, green light for, for him to, to feast a little bit and um, use this season as a, a platform, which I think might happen. And we've seen it before that it does happen with these young guys on shit teams. So um, moving forward, we have Kyle Kuzma, an interesting one that in years previous, I think <laughs> Chris has, has taken him early and got burnt. But last season we um, saw, and I think I was on record saying, you know, this is a real good opportunity for Kyle Kuzma to to do what he can to outside of the shadow of you know your LeBron and and the Lakers situation that didn't feel conducive enough for to him to really kind of 
show everything that what he got in limited opportunity. It felt like if his shots weren't falling, he was kind of um, blunted fantasy wise. But you know, we saw he's always been a really kind of handy rebounder, and with the opportunity at Washington, whether it was you know injuries or outs, you know otherwise, I think he was in kind of this mix of player rotations early, but. He had, you know, a string of really good games, especially when Washington was sneaky good early, and that didn't stop. I think that it really firmed his way into the the kind of minutes rotation as, you know, this like 3-4 swing guy that could, you know, really be relied on for corner threes. Um, And I think that's still here. So an average of 23 last year was really, really healthy, and Kyle Kuzma was one that I would have been really happy to bet on. I had him at 64. on my ranking. So I think the fact that you've got him here at 78 is really, really good. Um, big wraps. I think his role is pretty set. I don't really um, would have bet on Denny Avdia or even Rui Hachimura this season based on what I saw. Like I, I was not really tempted in, in putting him, you know, on my rankings other than really, really low or even drafting him. Like I think Kyle Kuzma, you know, is the option here. Obviously, Washington might be a little bit, see what we've got, um, and happy to, to give other younger guys a go that they've drafted. But I think, you know, with betting on, on or paying Bradley Beal, they're not going to do anything other than want to win early. And I think them wanting to win will be with Kyle Kuzma playing as many minutes as he did last season um, because I think he's their best option. And I think the fantasy points will translate. So I think it's a good pick here. Um, and I'll echo myself on, on really commending... It up to this point, and I think an, another risky pick here, and one that undraft night he was, I think, umming and ahhing and um, wanting to throw out. It gets itchy feet if he doesn't take a pick that's risky every few rounds. So <laughs> we get Jabari Smith Jr. at pick eighty-three here. Obviously, rookie for Houston, seemed like he was, you know, a couple of days away from getting pick number one. Goes to pick number three. If you're watching some of the, his first preseason game, I think Coach is sitting back at home feeling pretty happy about it right now. Most of the the you know the feedback and, and stuff that we've been hearing about Jamari Smith is the fact that don't expect him to come in and be this twenty point you know guy. I don't even know if we're thinking he's that fifteen point you know per per game kind of rookie where they're going to unleash and he's going to do all this stuff. So it made me a little bit hesitant on draft night. They have a lot of pieces that they've you know, drafted in that that are in place. Um, obviously, you've got your Jalen Green and your um, Shengun, who were rookies last year. Houston was, you know, they were, you know, tough owns last year as rookies. I, I'm not automatically, you know, on board with Jabari Smith Jr. is going to come in and have a huge kind of fantasy role. But we saw with rookies last year, they're worth a gamble at this point, especially if they've got high pedigree and you think they, they can force their way into minutes. Um, a little bit down on Jabari Smith compared to probably the other rookies that were drafted here, but I can come round on it. I think Houston has been a, a rough place to, to own fantasy players outside of James Harden, um, and that didn't stop when Harden was kind of traded. So we'll see how it goes. I think you can give you, in worst case scenario, like a level that keeps him on your list, which is good because if he blows up later in the season, he's not going to hurt you too much early. Like I think I think he can 
give you at least you know fifteen out of fifteen player like value. The, the the downside is that that will hurt you short term because you've invested round nine in him. But um, I think overall, it's it's hard to be too down on it. But I'd keep a really and watchful eye on how he settles into the rotation in the first couple of weeks. Um, yeah, Laurie Markkinen, another kind of um, one that people would have highlighted, and I think Coach likes these. Interesting players who have changed teams, who have shown kind of skill sets and can this um, scenario get the best out of him. And I think it's really, you know, interesting and in, in science points potentially. Um, it's hard with Utah. I want to see, you know, he went... I want to see where... <laughs> uh, he's got Jordan Clarkson went a couple rounds later, but um, in the context of where kind of Colin Sexton landed who um, I think, you know, is the other interesting Utah player. So Sexton went at 81, and we've got um, Markkinen here around and a half later at 98. He's probably the one that you think, you know, comes into a role that they want to give him, you know, opportunity and showcase. And we're only a couple of years, you know, removed from, I remember him, getting drafted quite early in our season and having, you know, 35 and 16 <laughs> in his first game for the, you know, the Bulls that season. But then he's always shown the glimpses and it just hasn't come together. And, and last year he was an interesting own, but I think, you know, Cleveland were quite stacked and in terms of fantasy output, he wasn't, you know, the day-to-day reliability. The The gamble on this is going, yep, okay, Larry Markkinen's going to be able to have the license that maybe he's never had in terms of, um, the offense. He's always been like a defensive liability, and the thing is, is he a bit coach killery in terms of the shots he takes um, and the consistency of him making the shots? That's why I think there's something to say that the fact that he's bounced around a little bit as a you know a high pedigree draft pick that teams are willing to kind of give up on. Um, that doesn't really instill a huge amount of confidence in me that I can rely on him across the season. The thing is, you're hoping that, well, Utah are just kind of going to see what happens and it'd be um, not in their best interest to, to not really kind of have him a part of it, if, especially if they're not really looking at winning. Um, so I think you can afford a certain um, role and outlook that makes him quite healthy and he could, in a lot of ways, outperform what he's he's been drafted. So I think it's a, it's, it's a good pick, but it's another one that I'm, I'm really kind of, I found hard to place overall because I like, like let's take him if there's no one really left on the board that I like. So I had him at 101 and, you know, a few guys kind of ahead of him that were, were more interesting for me in terms of their floor. But I think, you know, the fact that you got him at 98, he is probably around around the mark and there's a lot they'll say that he could outperform, but, I'm not going to guarantee <laughs> what I think his role would be in terms of high 20 to, to, to low 30 minutes moving forward. Um, Al Horford next. With Robert Williams out, I like it more, and I, I think that's quite an obvious statement. Um, I'm worried about what his, what his outlook is over the course of the season. I thought he was very good last year and um, played a lot of games, but I think that it kind of said or Boston said they thought you know he might have been a little bit um, gassed towards the end of the season and it was lucky a little bit in terms of how his health kind of remained throughout the whole season so I think you're taking a gamble on his health I think they're going to rest him I think you know that they'll, they'll manage him through the season a little bit I think 
when Robert Williams is is healthy. Um, you know, I see him bodying him out with like you know that twenty low twenty um, minutes per game, and does that translate to a healthy amount of scoring consistently? Um, for you to take him in around eleven, I think there was a lot of interesting players still left on the board um, that I would have personally gone to. Al Horford doesn't excite me, but that doesn't mean it's not a good pick. I think it's more just because he's you know old and been around and done that and gives you like a, a level that you're not seeing an improvement on that this season. Like you're taking him at this point, knowing that okay, if you can give me that twenty average that we did last year, we're fucking gravy. Taking him here at this point, and I think early on especially with Robert Williams out. Um, that's that's comfortable. When he comes back, let's see if we should be as excited. Um, but yeah, I'm more a lot more excited about the next pick um, at 118 with Cameron Johnson. I think this is savvy. This was drafted before Jay Crowder or Jay Crowder either, you know, put his hand up and demanded a trade request or Phoenix were, you know, comfortable kind of for him to to explore his options enough that, you know, he's not reporting to training camp and not with the team. So that was the the idea around this pick, I'm assuming, at the time, saying, you know, Cameron Johnson's starting a small forward. They're going to get ready to, to pay him. He's due for an increase. Let's have, you know, an increased sample size of what he looks like um, with, you know, the, the, the Phoenix players that we have uh, banked on and, you know, need to, to do anything successful this year in terms of the other four starting. So they we've seen, you know, that he's a really good knockdown shooter. The, the, the little moments we saw in the playoff makes me really confident that um, he's going to be in their best five lineup. It was the right decision that he's starting over Jay Crowder. The offense looks good. It's just, okay, as I said, the other four are really the focus when he is starting with them. Is it going to be more kind of him? He's in the corner to kind of space the floor and shoot it when he does and, I feel like there's little bits of rebounds for him and on good shooting nights, he's going to be great. But the the whole kind of piece of, of what he does, um, I think can be quite inconsistent, even if he's contributing well to winning and he's a good player, kind of rely on him for fantasy. And I think you've taken him early enough that when the answer's like, sometimes it's going to hurt you. Um, I have, like I've, I've, exci- I've been excited about his potential, but he's always been uh, an end of kind of, um, bench player for people to get off the wire, but this is the year that I would kind of say, well, if I if I'm projecting forward, that it's time to bet on him. Now's the year, and it's, you've already had one um, good thing for you in terms of you've bet on him starting, and we've already had the J Crowder thing, so it's already a little bit of a win. We're just going to have to see this next win of of him um, when he's kind of having his on off minutes. That when he's relied on to do a little bit more creating or kind of cut to the basket and finish through contact that he can do that consistently enough fantasy wise for for him to push his average up to you know your 18 19 um to get value from around 12 picks so um i like the risk um here i would have liked it a little bit later but i think you know that's a hard one to to kind of slam i think his head's kind of where it should be um isaiah stewart next is fine. I guess I'm just a little bit confused about some of the pieces at um, Detroit and if Isaiah Stewart is really the guy moving forward for, for center. And I think I, I spoke a lot about last year in terms of um, he was a pick betting on this increased usage because he started, but the rest of his game doesn't really lend to fantasy that well. And I think that kind of came through quite clearly that even though he was the starter minute 
um, guy for them. He's not consistently scoring and even really doing huge rebound games on a day-to-day basis for him to um, to really to really help you. So now I feel even less you know um, sure about his role with Detroit, um, with a few guys that are drafted and some of the direction that they're going, whether they want to play a little bit small given Isaiah Stewart's limited, um, I guess, um, prowess offensively. Is he more of a kind of a body that they use depending on matchups and, and fouls and an aggressor kind of guy, which I think is is more the way forward. Um, which kind of I don't I don't think pans well for his his um, fantasy outlet. So I think I had him as respect kind of there on my rankings, but I really had him towards the back end of if I needed a center, um, I'd kind of go late with him. But um, we've seen <laughs> Chris um, need not really need, but don't have an overwhelming amount of centers and instead of grabbing one late, was happy to kind of grab three <laughs> with his last three picks and Isaiah Stewart being the first of them, probably the one I'm least really excited about um, and if Chris does want to play the hard and fast free agency game, I would be betting that potentially he's one of the guys on the chopping block first if he doesn't um, show a lot early. Um, that'd be my bet moving forward. Um, another one that I think I was really, really interested in um, and was is a little bit better than a last round pick. So I, I was um, I thought his value in Onyeko Komu for round um, fourteen and a pick hundred and thirty eight. I think he translates really well, and I'm really excited about him. I kind of had him highlighted because I think I I had him one hundred and twenty two on my board, but I had notes in terms of this is assuming an increased time with Clint Capella there. It's it like it, it, it kind of caps what he's going to do, but I do think in small sample sizes, you know, they're going to have to, they've invested a draft pick in, in him. I think we're going to see at least enough of a role for us to um, get him rotating through a lot more than he was last season. We're not going to see the do not play kind of games. We're going to see him as that, you know, real traditional backup center that potentially closes games if you know, they, they're liking like a five balance and, and he's doing quite well from a day-to-day or the matchups are friendly. Like, I really think this is the year that we're going to see a lot more of him, but is it kind of capped to these glimpses um, where you get, you know, your 23, 24 um, fantasy points, you know, consecutive games, and then you have a drop-off that's like 12 and 10 because, you know, he had, you know, five minutes that quarter and really got two rebounds and didn't do much else. Um, that's the the... The ebb and flow to what I think Onyeko Komo gives this year. Um, but he's one to watch as the season goes on. And I'm, I'd am i be comfortable betting on him at this point just in case something really happens early where they decide, okay, we can't not give this guy increased minutes because purely of, of how it's opening doors for us offensively and his rim protection is um, of a level that we're happy to sacrifice some of Clint Capella. Um I do, I do believe in that moving forward. So I think that there is kind of a pathway where um, he's worth the risk here and it can kind of blossom for him. Um, that's on Yeko Komu. I like it. Um, last pick is a, a classic um, Chris pick with a, a rookie from uh, the Utah Jazz for Walker Kessler. Yeah, it's a pretty savvy last round pick, I think. The expectation is, okay, Utah don't really have a traditional center that they're going to rely on as much. And Walker Klesser, even though he's a rookie, he's going to get the the chance to kind of uh, eat 
I think a lot of the stuff is he's what Onyeko, but he's a year removed from where I think Onyeko Komu would be, um, if not more. But he doesn't have that, you know, that person in front of him. But I, just, I still think, you know, game to game, the highly likelihood is that he's going to be a tough own. Um, but again, you, you know, you look at these last round picks on, on who's going to, going to get usage. And I think Walker Kessler's a pretty pretty smart risk um, late and something that I'm happy to be on top of. So I think overall, this is probably the most um, high I've been on, on a boogie team, I think. And I think, yeah, as I said at the top, every reason for him to be happy about what he's got. I think it's an easy pick at pick three. He had no chance to kind of flub that up. <laughs> so if you remove kind of that option, just double down, be safe. I think at pick 18, um, it's less. You, it, it's hard to really kind of screw up unless you're taking a, a Fred Van Fleet. So I think even though he's gone risky, um, the real kind of potential for it is, is, is awesome. So very happy for that there. To round out, so I guess his best pick, I think, this year is probably Kyle Kuzma. Very happy with him at 78. So not, not one that jumps out to you, but I think this is a really kind of smart drafting to kind of take him in, in round eight, you know, based on what he did last year and what I think will translate to be very safe um, a lot in this year. So I think it rounds out your te- team really nicely and it's a good time to get him. I think worst pick is hard, but I think Al Horford at 103 is, is hard for me to get excited about given I think he will miss some games and I think there's a lot of um, interesting players kind of still on the board that will give you a consistent output. I still think injuries are, you know, a thing in Al Horford's game. So I'd be worried about taking him here. Um, and Al Horford kind of bucks the trend, I think, in terms of um, Chris's draft strategy, usually overall. But maybe the safeness can, can end up being a little bit um, nice. But it, it jumps out as, as the one that I, I don't kind of, you know, love. Isaiah Stewart is probably the other one that I don't really um, care for too much. Um, in terms of wild card, so... I think Devin Vassell is probably the standout here because you've drafted him a point where you really need him to kind of to come on at least in in some part. Um, so if that does come, you know you, you're getting what you should have got um, in round seven. Um, and then there's this variance that it could be much worse, but it could be a little bit better. Um, there's that really that flaw <laughs> to see where you go in terms of sleeper you know it, it is hard because some of the guys you know have picked a little bit early um the cameron johnson's probably that sleeper where you know he will we'll see him start can he make the leap that he wants to and the team wants him to make you know him worthwhile to to give you know this contract extension to and i think he could be handy to kind of round out your team from the back end so um that's really the quick thoughts on um, Team Luca, your bane of existence for this season. So probably pretty high, um, but we'll see. There's, there's, even though I'm high, I think there's question marks still littered in terms of Dejounte Murray is probably one that stands out. Tyrus because you took him early. Even Bane, Giddy, and Vassell, all picks that I like, all kind of a little bit early on what I expect from them, but. I think you gotta you gotta risk it to get the biscuit. If we go back a couple of seasons to his name and and banking quality plays that you wanna you wanna take, and we've seen that if you want them, you need to pay the price. Um, but here we are, three town, uh, seven to go, um, and we'll get them all done by fantasy tip off. But uh, thanks everyone for for listening, and um, 
I'll get another one out in the next few days, hopefully, um, to, to accompany, hopefully, a nice, beautiful, sunny day. So thanks again, guys, and I'll, I'll see you soon.